Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 11 of Shutters and Shells. I'm your host, Dom Gatto. Today we're doing something a little different. We're doing Q&A. I think I'm going to call this episode the Wildlands Q&A because I opened up a little something on the Instagram page asking people to send in their questions, whatever they wanted to hear about, whatever they wanted to talk about, and uh, got some good responses. So a few of you sent in some voice messages, some of you sent in DMs, but we're going to run through them today, do some questions, do some answers, and uh, talk about some stuff for the podcast. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Uh, before we do any of that, I want to give a big shout out to Mr. Grant Fisher. All right. Grant won the latest Wildlands photo battle. For those of you that don't know, there's a photo battle I host uh, pretty much every week, every other week, where uh, people submit photographs. I battle them off against each other and uh, everyone else chooses the winner. Well, Grant won this week. Uh, he walked away with some wonderful prizes, including the uh, the Wildlands preset bundle, as well as a shout out here on the podcast and a nice shout out on the Shutters and Shells Instagram page. So Grant, congratulations on that. That was a really awesome photo of a hunting dog you had out there. I'm a big fan of it and I'm really happy you won. You can find Grant Fisher at um, his uh, Instagram handle is at Grant Fisher one Grant underscore Fisher one. So let's get rolling here with some of these questions. Okay. Our first question comes from the West Texas hunting guys. Here we go. Hey Dom, this is Brandon and Michael here with the West Texas hunting guys. We had two questions for you actually. Um, first we are super novice when it comes to photography and we're wanting to get into it a little bit more. So we wanted to ask what is um, kind of like an entry level base setup you would recommend, um, camera lens combo, something around a thousand dollars or less. Love to hear your, um, ideas on that. Also, second part of the question is, you know, here in West Texas, we do a ton of hog hunting in between deer season to kind of keep us sharp and to feed that need to be, um, outside. Uh, what do you guys do up in your neck of the woods during the off season to stay sharp and have a good time? Anyways, thanks for answering the questions. You do great stuff. Talk to you soon. Well, thank you for the wonderful, kind words at the end there. And uh, let's go through these questions for the West Texas hunting guys. First question was, what was the entry level base setup under $1,000? Um, for, I started with the Nikon D3500, um, great camera. You can get that bundled with the kit lens and a 70 to 300 AFP lens and the AFP 70 to 300 lens is really, really sharp stuff. If you want to look back on some of the uh, older posts I have, probably back in the December range, that's when I was still using that lens. Um, you'll see it's really, really sharp. It's really, really on point. And it gives you a nice nice reach, especially on a crop sensor like the Nikon D3500. So it's a good starter setup for under $1,000. You can get that whole bundle for around like 800 bucks, which is, you know, awesome. And uh, it'll take you pretty far. It's lacking some of the more professional features that you may want. It's not that great for video, but it is really good for starting off with just some a little bit of longer range photography without breaking your bank. And that's kind of how I got into it. So that's um that's really the best suggestion I can give as far as uh, Nikon cameras go is the Nikon D3500 to start off for under a thousand to get to wildlife. Now I know some people are going to say there's better options with um, Canon and Sony, but I've always shot Nikon and I loved it. And, you know, I just, it's something I, uh, I like to preach what I practice. So yeah, that's your, that's your setup. Nikon D3500. Um, 
As far as uh, what we do to stay sharp in the offseason, we have a lot of hog hunting up here. It's, <laughs> I actually want to go on a hog hunt in Texas. That'd be awesome. But uh, I think what we do most is just go ahead and shoot, uh, you know, target practice, stuff like that. I think that's something everyone should be doing. You know, you shooting is a per- perishable skill. Hunting is a perishable skill. Um, I, I like to walk the woods as much as I possibly can. I like to scout in the offseason quite a bit. Um, I treat almost every scouting session like it's a hunt, making sure to play the wind. And I mean, I think what helps me the most is actually going out there with the camera that uh, keeps me sharp and keeps me in tune to the woods so that when hunting season comes around, it's not like my first time stepping back into the woods again. So the more you can really get outdoors, the better. And uh, that's really the name of the game is the more time you spend out there. And it can be hard. You can have a lot of things going on and you just got to make the time sometimes. So as far as staying sharp up in New York, we just shoot some stuff and walk the woods. <laughs> yeah, that's me at least. I know other guys have other things going on, but that's just me. So, hey, West Texas Hunting Guys, thank you so much for your question. Their Instagram is going to be linked in the uh, description along with all the other people who ask questions. But, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Thanks so much. So let's go on to our next audio question that was submitted here by Soto Fan Hunt. Soto Fan Hunt says... Hey, Dom, this is Soto Fam Hunt from down here in East Texas. We got a couple questions for you. Uh, first question is, as a photographer, would you rather snap pics or hunt wild game? Uh, that's, a, that's something I've always thought about for you guys to snap these awesome photos. The next part of that question is going to be, is it easier for you to take pics uh, or hunt? when you're out there and are you less incognito when you know that you're just going to snap pictures and not hunt deer or whatever it is you're snapping pictures of sometimes i find myself that you know when you're out there and and you're not really trying as hard you stumble across more so i wasn't sure if that was the case when you're out there taking pictures is is it something that you nonchalantly do and still come across game uh when you're not even really trying as hard uh, look forward to hearing from your answer, bud. Take it easy. So that's a really good question. Um, would I rather snap picks or hunt wild game? Okay. So first of all, uh, years ago I would have told you that I'd rather hunt. And that was before I got more and more into the world of wildlife photography. But now in my current state, I'd rather take the camera out there with me. And my rationale behind that is, I mean, I, look, I'll never stop hunting. I love hunting. I've been hunting since you know I was a kid and I'll I'll never give it up. But I have more, um, I get more of a feeling of accomplishment by composing a good photograph of a wild animal than I do from hunting it nowadays. And that might be because it might be a selfish factor in it that I think we spoke about this on another episode about, you know, I usually ask people this and uh, their answers are all varied, but it's a sense of being able to share that moment with people because a lot of people will remember and tell you stories about their hunt and tell you, you know, I saw this big buck walk out and I they, he was standing over there and the light was coming in and it was a beautiful morning and they'll tell you the big story about the hunt that they had and the deer that they saw. Well, I get to tell that story now by actually showing you what I saw and uh, that's a different kind of way to tell a story and I enjoy telling the story and um, so right now in my current state, I enjoy photographing more than I enjoy hunting as crazy as that may sound that's that's kind of where I'm at but I still love both um now do I second part of that question was is it easier to take pics or is it easier to hunt um hard to compare the two because it's almost a little easier to take pictures in the sense that 
in my mind, I have a much wider field of view. I have a much more an easier setup, especially in the off seasons where I can, you know, be in places that are less pressured. Um, and I mean, it's hard to say because it, it's difficult to hunt. It's difficult to take the shot and it's difficult to have be set up. But at the same time, it's difficult to take the photograph too. So, I mean, it's almost apples to oranges if you really think about it. Now, there are easier aspects when it comes to taking photographs because you have a much wider range to work with. I don't have to worry about pinpointing a shot. I also don't have to worry about, I mean, with the lens that I have, it's a 600 millimeter lens. I can take a nice, you know, detailed photograph at upwards of 80 yards. That's, that's pretty far. And, um, that lets me get more into the action from further away. That being said, I can still take a shot with a rifle at 80 yards, but, um, it's, it's two different kinds of difficulties to overcome because if it's bow season, I can't take a shot at 80 yards. <laughs> I don't think anyone here can drop a buck at 80 yards with a bow. That's never happening. But um, it's, it's, it's weird because with photography, you have the issue of an animal can come out and he may be or she may be just standing there in a place that the light is no good or, you know, the photograph's going to come out looking bad because of a busy background. It's not going to be able to compose it very well because they're heavy tree cover. And at the same time, from a hunting perspective, you'd still be able to take that shot with a rifle and, you know, drop a deer and it wouldn't be an issue. You're not thinking about those outside factors. So there's a give and take with what is easier and what is harder. Uh, depends what we really want to define it as. And um, I'll kind of leave it at that. I won't really say one is easier and one is harder. Just they both have their ups, they both have their downs, and I enjoy them both. Uh, as far as being less incognito and stuff like that, now I treat every time I go out the camera, I treat it like a hunt. I um, I basically camouflage myself up with what I can. Uh, I have little half hide blinds. I you know walk into the woods against the wind and make sure I you know don't bust any deer on my way in i have scouting i have maps i have everything that i use exactly like i would for a hunt so everything i'm doing out there with photography is the same way i would do it for a hunt so i don't think i'm less incognito at all i think i'm even more cautious when i'm using the camera out there because um one factor i've always seen is that the fact that the lens and the equipment is so big it's that when you turn that lens you could reflect light and that may scare the animals away so you got to be even more careful with the camera sometimes. It depends what you're taking photos of. But hey, SotoFam Hunt, thank you so much for uh, dropping those questions. I hope this answered a little, as much as I could for you there. And uh, yeah, man, really appreciate that. So I'm going to link your Instagram as well in the description. I know SotoFam Hunt has some really awesome, awesome hunting pictures on his page. Definitely check them out. So our next question comes from Matt from Whiskey and Whitetails. Matt. Uh, dropped a little question here on the audio file. I know he tried to drop two of them, but one didn't go through. So we're only stuck with the second question. So here we go. Take it away, Matt. I got an upcoming Kentucky velvet hunt. What lens do you recommend for my Sony A3? Thanks. Short, sweet, and to the point. I like it, Matt. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> he actually messaged me later to uh, make sure that I knew that what he meant was for uh, video work for his Sony A3 for his upcoming Kentucky Velvet Hunt. Now, I will preface this by saying I don't own a Sony camera. I don't own the Sony A3. I don't uh, have any idea how Sony lenses really work. So I'm just going to give you a general answer on lenses that may work for you for this hunt. And I'm not going to be specific with the lenses because I've never used them. But 
lenses pretty much are all the same when it comes to knowing what kind of aperture you're looking for, what kind of zoom range you're going to look for. Do you want primes? Do you want something with a little telephoto? What do you need? So I'll just say this. I know Sony has a 24 to 70 2.8 lens. Okay. So the 2.8 will give you enough um, leeway with the you know, the wide aperture to give you a lot of low light usage, especially if you're doing a little bit of video uh, of the hunt itself. It's not going to give you a lot of zoom at 70 millimeters. Um, so that's going to be more for like filming yourselves or even taking photographs of a harvest photo or anything like that. That that lens will probably do very well for you having that extra range. I know it's pretty expensive, but um, you know, most good lenses are. Now, if you're looking for something with more telephoto use, if you're doing uh, something where you want to get that zoom, Sony actually has a 200 to 600 millimeter telephoto lens that I know a bunch of Sony shooters that are wildlife photographers use it and they swear by it. I'm not sure the exact specs on it, but I've seen some photographs that have come out of it and uh, they look fantastic. And I know Sony does very well in low light. I know that for a fact. Uh, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say I should be shooting Sony for better low light usage. You know, Nikon's pretty good at it. Sony uh, does seem to be better and... Um, yeah, you might be good with uh, the 24 to 70 for uh, if you just want photos and video of yourselves and uh, of the general area of the hunt, because 24 millimeters will give you that nice wide angle. 70 millimeters will crop it down just a little bit and give you a little bit of extra reach in the zoom by the slightest amount. But um, if you're looking to film the animals themselves uh, at a distance, you're going to need something with some high high capacity telephoto usage, which is going to be like a 200 to 600 or even, you know, a larger prime lens. So for video use, that's what I would recommend. Uh, definitely have a good tripod. You're going to need one. Any kind of little shakes or any, any kind of focusing is going to kind of give you a little bit of camera shake. You don't want any of that. But um, that's my main suggestion because the 24 to 70 is your all-around champion for any kind of film or photography work at 24 to 72.8. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's what I got for you there, Matt. So thank you very much for your question, pal. If you want to check out Matt's stuff at Whiskey and Whitetails, that's um, their Instagram name. will be linked below. Whiskey and Whitetails is awesome. Good stuff. I own a bunch of their products. They're good people. So yeah, definitely check them out. Anyway, 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 let's move on to we're going to pull up now. I have a list of all the questions that were sent in from DMs, all right? Now, these questions, I had everyone message me, so I'll read them out as they are. I can't imitate your voices as much as I'd like to try, but we're going to go through this. This first question comes from a prior podcast guest, Colton Beam. Colton Beam says, my question, what is the process for locating a new area, and how do you go about scouting it? I've always wondered how y'all do it up in the north. Ha ha. Thanks, Colton, for the ha ha at the end. It made me know that you found this very, very light and very funny. Thank you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how do we scout? Um, main things I do uh, is before doing anything, look at maps, make sure you have a food, a water source, kind of get the lay of the land just from the overhead satellite maps. If you have a, any kind of mapping software like Onyx, use it, utilize it, see if anyone else has any pins they could share with you. Um, but if you're going into this blind, food and water is very important. Now, for animals like white-tailed deer, they're going to be bedded down in thicker areas of the woods, but also in like clearings in the woods. They are tree-line animals. They will walk the tree lines, so they're not going to be too far away. So kind of see where the food and the water converges and uh, try to find a place in the middle. If there's a nice heavy wooded area between those two, that's kind of where you're going to want to start. And once you get in there, uh, start looking for trails, deer trails, something heavily trodden, fresh droppings, rub lines, scrapes. You know, just all your regular signs of having whitetail in the area. And 
what I normally do is I walk out there and I just start walking and I start walking and more than often than not, more often than not, I will find either the trail goes cold and I'll lose signs and the trail will keep going on and there won't be any droppings around, there won't be any scrapes or rubs around. So I'll turn around and I'll start walking back to where I saw some more heavy you know, activity in the area and I'll start branching out from there and start walking off the path and more into the woods and see what else I could find. It's a good thing to just walk in circles. You could put markers out if you want to, uh, only if it's that's legal by you. I'm not sure how other states handle it, but I'll put small markers somewhere, either, you know, a ribbon on a tree or something. Just keep moving from there. Or I'll mark it on the map and move from there. And uh, yeah, just do your due diligence and go back to the same areas multiple times and uh, keep checking them, learn them, and start looking for changes. It's it's a long process. And more, most of the time, I'll find an area that we're all, I, I think it's going to be a target-rich environment, and it's not. And, uh, you know, you, that's kind of the dice roll you have when you're uh, looking to do that kind of scouting work. You just got to really get in there and learn the woods around you. Because if you, if you don't, and you just go in there, and you're like, oh, okay, there's some signs here. There's definitely deer here. You, you might be wrong. They may have been there. It doesn't mean they're there all the time. So time in the woods is everything when it comes to uh, scouting, at least that by me. So, Colton, thank you very much for that, pal. Colton's Instagram is at Colton underscore beam underscore. He, uh, good person. Good deer. He has a lot of Texas bucks if you want to take a look at him. <laughs> good stuff. So, let's move on. Next question is from Grissom Outdoor Photography. Grissom Outdoor Photography goes, how do you start, how do you go about starting to sell prints? I'd like to know for what I'm better. Thank you. Uh, okay. That's actually a really cool business side question here. Um. I started selling prints kind of on a whim where at first I was just posting up my photographs and putting things out there and, you know, just doing it to do it. I didn't think of it as a business at first. And someone shot me a DM one day and said, hey, I'd like to give this as a gift to my dad to put in his hunting room. And um, it never really occurred to me that I could be selling these photographs. I just wanted to really share them out there for the most part. And I, they asked me for a price and I didn't know anything about pricing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what it was worth and... Uh, really how I didn't even know how to get it printed, to be honest. I had no idea of what to do. So I ended up reaching out to a lot of other photographers that were in the actual field, some, some big names, some small names, and just kind of asking them, what do you do? And, uh, most of them were very forthcoming, helped me out a lot with that kind of process. Um, what I basically do now is you can use a print lab, an, out, an external print lab if you want to, to print your photographs because they have all the expensive equipment, especially if you're not printing a lot of volume. You're not going to spend thousands of dollars on printing equipment if you're only doing one or two prints a month. That's not going to pay for itself. So it's really good to use external print labs. Just make sure before you do that, get samples, spend some money, invest into your business and make sure that it is quality. Cause the last thing you want to do is have prints go out of your work and they look terrible. People are one, they're never going to buy from you again. If you're looking to make money from it and two, you're going to, it's just going to be disappointing to your customers. It's a disservice to yourself. So all of my stuff is printed on probably the highest quality materials I can really think of getting or afford to get without making people get charged an arm and a leg. And uh, I've, any photo I put out there for printing, I always order a sample to myself first to make sure that it is up to par because uh, different print labs will print things different ways. So you got to make sure that the exposure is correct for them. A uh, good thing too is you can get on the phone with them and you could ask them to print a sample at cost just to see how the coloring comes out. And most of them have guides on uh, the color space and the color gamut you should be using to send prints to them. So 
I uh, highly recommend getting yourself an IPS monitor that is color calibrated. That will save you a lot of time. There are color calibration tools that cost about 100 bucks that will attach to your monitor and will color calibrate your monitor for you so that you don't have to guess what color is going to look like when it's printed out on paper. As long as you're working with a really good lab, they will know. Uh, they will have all their stuff calibrated, so what you see is what you get. And um, don't go cheap on your prints. Don't go cheap on your materials. Don't try to, you know make a little extra profit, spend more money for your work to make it higher quality because that's what I do. And, um, that's how I've gotten repeat customers for my prints. And, um, once people buy one thing from me, they, they'll come back because they know that what they're getting is uh, the best, of the best. It's not going to be some little cheap, you know, CVS printed photo. It's going to be printed on, you know, museum grade paper with inkjet. And, uh, it's going to have that nice smooth finish and those deep contrast colors and it's just going to pop right off the page. It's going to look gorgeous, like a work of art. So that's how you kind of get started with it. Just kind of put your work out there. And, um, if you have someone messaging you, asking you for prints, be ready for it. Like have that in the back of your head already that you can do that for them. And even if you don't know what you're doing, say yes, and then figure it out. Never say no. Cause if someone wants it, you can figure out how to get it done. All right. And, um, Grism, if you have any questions, if someone does reach out to you and say, that they want to print from you. You don't know what to do. Feel free to send me a DM. I'll walk you through everything. We'll go over it together. That way you don't lose the opportunity to make a little money with your work. Cause uh, that's a really good feeling when someone tells you they want to hang up your work in their house. No better feeling, no better compliment. All right. So that's awesome. Hit the Instagram account that that was for Grism outdoor photography is Grism G R I S S O M underscore outdoor underscore photography. If you want to check them out, thank you so much for your questions. All right. Uh, next up we have here from monster whitetails. Okay. Monster whitetail has a couple of questions. All right. First one is someone wanting to get into photography. What's a good entry starter camera package for them. All right. We answered that one first. That was the Nikon D 3500. So that's already answered for you. Uh, what, where is your dream place to take photos? I would love to go out towards, uh, California, um, get, see some national parks. I would love to go up to some, I'd love to go up to Alaska, um, Canada, places like that. Maybe go looking for moose. Um, I really want to get to some big country, you know, cause we have some nice country out here in New York. We really do, but it's not the same cause I want to get out there where there's like nothing around me for miles and miles and miles and miles. I want to be in the deep woods and see things that no one else is going to see, you know, like I want to capture that moment that no one else will ever be able to capture. That's kind of where my head's at when I say dream place to take photos. I mean, I'd like to go on African safari too. That'd be fun too. I mean, even if it's guided it is what it is, it would be fun to see all that kind of wildlife. But as far as like North American hunting game, oh, I'd love to go up to Alaska or Canada one day and just, you know, spend a week out rucking it and uh, it would be a real fun time. So yeah, if anyone's listening to this and has any connections for that kind of stuff, I'll tag along with you. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be fun. Um, next question from monster whitetails is what is the biggest sleeper state for whitetails? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, sleeper states, there's, there's big deer everywhere. I'd say, uh, I mean, Wisconsin has huge deer. Uh, not many people know about that. And people know about it, but not a lot of people know about that. Pennsylvania's got some nice deer. And New York. New York's a sleeper state. I mean, there's some big bucks in New York. And uh, it's it's not like the number one that you'll see and say, you know, yeah, we're going to go deer hunting in New York. But there are some big bucks up here in New York. And um, if you look at a lot of the photographs I have from the wintertime, they pack on pounds. Like, I... I have 
photographs of deer that are easily over 200 pounds. They're like monsters up here because they got to stay so warm. So colder climates, you're going to find some bigger deer. When you go down south, the deer are a lot more lean. They're almost like horses. Like they're large, but they don't pack on a lot of weight just because it's so warm. So yeah, yeah. New York's fun. New York's a fun sleeper state. Um, Monster Whitetails also says number one person you'd like to hunt with. Now you didn't define dead or alive. So dead, I'd say probably Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to go out with Teddy. That'd be a good time. But, um, number one person alive that I would like to hunt with. Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, I can't think of one person off my head that I would have to define. as like that one person, but I will say I want to go hunting with, uh, I want to go hunting with, with the guys from Whiskey and Whitetails because man, Gus are just awesome dudes. And they just, they seem like they'd be the fun group to go out there. I'd like to go hunting with Colton Beam. Uh, just some people I've met over time and Instagram and stuff. Uh, as far as like celebrities go, I'd love to go hunting with Joe Rogan. I'd really love to go hunting with Joe Rogan. That would be so much fun because I've seen a lot of his videos of him out hunting. He's one of those guys who's just into it, you know. He's like a true hunting into it out there. I'm not sure if he is nowadays. I don't really... Uh, follow him up that much to know but if he's still into it joe if you hear this this is uh me telling you that i would love to go hunting with you <laughs> all right and um the thing i've enjoyed most about uh the group chat now i'm in a group chat with monster whitetails and a bunch of other guys and the thing i've enjoyed the most out of that group chat and i highly su suggest anybody on instagram get yourselves into a group chat with like-minded people because you'll be able to support each other very much. And it's a really cool thing to know what everyone's doing, keep track of what everyone's doing, collaborate with people. I did a giveaways with a lot of these guys and it's always a good time. It's a nice way to kind of stay active in your communities. And uh, the thing I've enjoyed most about that is the fact that I've met some people that otherwise I probably would never have communicated with only because some of these pages are like 50, 60,000 followers. And that's a little daunting. You don't want to shoot out a message to the larger pages sometimes because you think they're not going to reply to you. But most of these guys have, are nothing but active and fun and just looking to shoot the breeze most of the time and talk hunting and have a good time. So that's what I've enjoyed the most, just the camaraderie, the community. It's been really, really good. So Monster Whitetails, thank you so much for your questions, pal. You can follow them at, at underscore Monster Whitetails underscore great page. They're really great because they feature my photos very often. So, you know, they're a great page. But <laughs> yeah, check them out. All right, so next question comes up from Wicked North Gear. All right, Wicked North says, any camera advice for those of us without a camera and only an iPhone or a cell phone camera? All right, this is good because this is a common thing I get asked actually about, you know, I only have a cell phone. I can't afford, you know, expensive camera. What do I do? Easy, okay? A lot of new cameras these days can shoot in RAW. I highly suggest you shoot in RAW if you do any kind of editing afterwards. Very important. So that being said, if you shoot in RAW, what you're getting is a ton of data to work with. All you're, all you're getting is a ton of data to work with where people are going to be, uh, people are going to be, where you're going to be able to uh, do a lot more of post-processing on those photos. Now, certain cameras are better on certain phones. Um, I have a I have a Galaxy Note 20, so it's a, the camera on it's pretty good, but it's still, you know, lackluster compared to a DSLR or a mirrorless, you know, actual camera. What you could really do with a cell phone photo, though, is the great thing is having wide angle, which a lot of more um, 
a lot more of these cell phones have like a couple of different cameras in their camera where you have three different lenses or two different lenses built into your camera for regular and wide angle. Wide angle shots with a cell phone camera are great, especially if you learn the basics of exposing. So what I highly suggest for anyone that just has a phone, okay, look into your settings and try to disable any kind of color correction any kind of HDR, any kind of like anything kind of post-processing that your phone does, try to get rid of it and try to do all these edits yourself, okay? Like try to get Lightroom Mobile or get another editing program. I suggest Lightroom Mobile and edit your photos in Lightroom Mobile. Do small adjustments just to increase the contrast where you want to increase and you'll really, once you get the basics down with that, you'll be able to use your cell phone to take some really awesome photos. And a lot of professional photographers will look down on using a cell phone because it's not, you know, ideal. But you can still take great photographs with a cell phone. And if you want to take great photographs with a cell phone, you need to know the fundamentals. You, you need to know composition because uh, I've always lived by the sense of the best camera you can ever own is or the best camera you could ever use is the one in your hands. And if that's what you have in your hands, make the most of it. You know, frame your shot properly, expose your shot properly, do some adjustments afterwards and make sure that it looks good. I mean, this is the digital age. We have the ability to turn any photo into anything. Utilize that, learn it, actually study the basics of photography. Because anyone could pick up a cell phone and just snap a picture, but it takes someone who has a little bit more knowledge to make it look really, really good. So if you have just an iPhone or a cell phone, that's the best advice I can give you. Now, Wicked North Gear, um, I followed their stuff for a while. I actually have a bunch of, I've actually bought a bunch of stuff from Wicked North. They have some really cool apparel, stickers, all this fun stuff. Check them out. It's at Wicked North Gear on, uh, on Instagram. Awesome, awesome guys. Yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they've uh, had a lot of fun stuff on their Instagram page, so give them a look. So thank you for that question. Uh, I think we've got one more here. It's from Nathan and Ellen's Adventures. They say, maybe you could talk about where you see the future of quality photography and Instagram going and how to stand out with the high-quality work on Instagram. Very cool topic with uh, how to stand out on Instagram because I think everyone who's trying to get into photography and everyone's trying to get into the world of wildlife photography or hunting photography or photography in general, when they have a public page and they're posting something up, all they want to do is be seen. That's all you want. And it gets discouraging once in a while if you're posting things out there and no one's seeing it. And you're like, well, I posted this out here. It's a wonderful picture. Well, why is no one seeing it? And um, that's kind of where we're at. Unfortunately, you can have an amazing photograph and just post it. And it doesn't matter because no one will see it. And it's really discouraging overall. I've been there. And that's kind of when I started off. And people will look at these larger accounts and think, well, my work's better than that or as good as that. Why am I not gaining as much, you know, traction? Or why are people not having more eyes on me? And the thing is, you have to stop looking at Instagram as a tool about you and look at it as a tool about everyone else. Okay, because once you start making it about everyone else, it'll become more about you. The more you give, the more you will receive when it comes to any form of social media. So the best way to get eyes on your work is not just by posting great photos. That's just one part of it. The best way to get eyes on your work is interacting with other people. That's a huge thing. You have to interact with other people because if you're not interacting with other people, no one's going to look at you. People don't care. They care about themselves. Everyone cares about themselves. It's human nature. I care about myself. But... When I turn around and uh, I start caring more about other people, they will come look at my work. And if my work is up to par and it resonates with them, 
they'll follow me, they'll like my stuff, and some people will buy it. And that's uh, my end goal for the reason I have the Instagram page is to promote my work. And I promote other people's work too on it. And I like to collaborate with other people. And I like to, you know, give back to the whole community that has supported me. But my number one goal, it is a business to me. It is. Wildlife photography to me has become a business. And um, that's not saying that it's not fun and I don't enjoy it or that I'm not doing it for the right reasons. But how do I get more people to look at my business? How do I stand out? Well, a couple of things. Quality of work has to be great. You have to only post kind of the best of your best and treat every post like it's going to be the best thing in the world, even though 99% of the time it will not be. Post everything. You never know. Like you, you really never know. And you're going to have photographs that you think are not that great that other people are going to think are really awesome. So uh, just keep putting them out there. We talked about this in the Whiskey and Whitetails podcast not long ago where, uh, you know, that was the biggest advice I can give. Post everything. And I believe uh, another guy named Matt for, from Matt and Waterfowl put that out there too where it hit one of his posts the other day where he said, you know, I'm following Dom's advice, post everything. And it was an awesome photo. There's plenty of photos I put out there that I thought were just, you know, I weren't, wasn't even going to post them, but it was a slow day and I just decided to put them out there and people loved them. So put everything out there that you can. Let people know who you are. Be honest. Be true to yourself. And uh, that's how more people are going to look at you. Now, when you're comparing yourself, here's another big thing too about how do you stand out with high quality work on Instagram, a lot of people fall into the hole of, you know, there are better photographers than me. There are better people than me. And let's be honest, there's always going to be someone better. Even, I mean, even someone like Peter McKinnon, who has millions of followers and across all social media platforms for his work, there are people out there who don't like what he does because there's different tastes for everybody. So you could say you're the best, you could have the most followers ever, but you're, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like what you're doing. And that's perfectly fine. That's normal. All right. So don't try to impress everybody. All right. Find your core audience and try to impress them. My core audience is hunters. That That's my core audience. I know who my market is. I know who my audience is. It's people who are hunters, hunting enthusiasts, some people that are into photography as well, uh, fellow people who are wildlife photographers. But that is kind of my core audience, those kind of demographics. Now, I'm not going to go posting photos that don't speak to that demographic unless I want to move into a different demographic or a different audience. And I've, you know, I've put things out there before that were strictly photography based. I've put photos out there of just my camera gear and it's done well because that's part of my audience. But the photos that do the best for me are the photos of large whitetail bucks because that is the people that I'm, I'm marketing to, those are the people I'm speaking to. So know who your audience is. Don't try to make everybody happy. Don't just see a trend out there like if you see people posting photographs of a certain kind of sunset or landscape and you try to do it and then you don't have a passion for it and it's not something you're going to do long term don't do it like just stick to what you like and eventually over time you will find other people who like the same stuff that you like uh very very important so um yeah nathan ellen's adventures thanks very much for that question that's uh, really awesome stuff there nice Nice. So that's all the questions I got. This was not going to be a long episode just because I'm flying solo today and I uh, want to just breeze through them and get them all out to you. But I will say uh, this was awesome having you guys send in all these questions. And uh, before we wrap up here, I'm going to just talk about a couple of things that's going on uh, in the future. Number one, uh, Wildlands Photo Battle. If you want to get involved in it, all you have to do is post a picture on Instagram, use the hashtag uh, Wildlands Photo Battle and tag me. My Instagram account is at dom.iwc. 
uh, do that, and I pull these photos randomly. I paddle them against each other. The champion of the uh, Wildlands photo battle gets prizes every time, so that's been a lot of fun recently. Uh, we've been doing it for probably a couple months now, and prizes have just been flowing. It's prints, presets, gift cards, you name it. Uh, just throw it out there. Get have everyone have some fun. Duke it out in the old uh, in the old story. Um, also, if uh, I just released a new print, it's called Summer Velvet. It's a beautiful, beautiful 11-point book. Got a photograph of, printed out in some nice high-quality paper. Also available in frames, canvases, whatever you want. Let me know. That's just some news from my end. Uh, I also want to shout out, once again, Whiskey and Whitetails. Check their stuff out. Great gifts, great stuff. They make a lot of good stuff out of bourbon barrels. And uh, also Wicked North Gear. Be sure to check them out, too. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and close it out here. It's been about 35 and some odd minutes. No big deal. Short little episode for you guys this time around. And uh, next time, I'm going to have a nice guest on to talk more about some hunting, possibly some photography and some stuff. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Anyway, my name is Dom Gatto. You can find me on Instagram at dom.iwc. You can find everything for Shutters and Shells on www.shuttersandshells.com. We're streaming on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, about a dozen other platforms that'll play us, which is awesome. So go ahead and uh, check them out. If you want to leave a voice message um, for Shutters and Shells and have it read out in the next episode, go ahead and shoot me a DM uh, at dom.iwc and I'll give you that link. I'll uh, also post it up in the description of this podcast, the link to leave a voice message. If you have any questions or anything you want to add to the episodes, I'll be more than happy to play you. Make sure to include your Instagram or any kind of your contact name so I can shout out for you. And if you want some great hunting content, you can follow my page or follow the uh, Shutters and Shells page at Shutters and Shells. So yeah, this concludes episode 11, the nice little Wildlands q and I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any comments, feedback, or anything, uh, if you're watching this on, watching this, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to, and there's the ability to rate or subscribe, hit that button. It helps me out a lot, gets the word out about this podcast a little bit more, and I'll love you forever for it. Other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy it. If you're watching this while driving, wear your seatbelts. Have a good one.